Today we're talking about healthy relationships on the Northern Lights Pulse podcast. Welcome to the Northern Lights Pulse podcast. We're here at Northern Lights Pulse. Our mission is to help teens and young adults understand themselves, others, and the world in which they live. Today, I'm joined by speaker, author, um, Mike Domich. He is the author of three books, including Can I Kiss You? He is also the founder of the Center for Respect, an organization with a mission to prevent sexual assaults and encourage safe dating. Welcome to the podcast, Mike. Well, thanks for having me here, Peter. Yeah, um, uh, when Lee Erickson told me about you, I knew that we had to have you on here right away, <laughs> like one of our first episodes. So this is great. And this is such an important topic to have on, on our podcast where we're trying to help teens and young adults sort of learn about themselves and others. So this is this, uh, how it doesn't get much more important than their relationships that they're building, right? Absolutely. Yes, yes, yes. So before we get started in our conversation, I wanted you to just talk a little bit about the Center for Respect and what you do there. Well, yeah, well, thank you for having me on. And what we do is we work with everything from middle schools, high schools, parents, uh, universities, and U.S. military all over the world in providing keynotes, school assemblies, training sessions, coaching programs, and really creating a culture of respect for all people, all individuals. And a lot of times that focus is specifically in the relationship sexual arena. So sexual decision-making, hookups, marriages, in that wide range of relationships is where we focus all of our work in. So one day I can be working with a middle school, talking to all the students, talking to the parents at night. And the next day I could be speaking to generals and admirals in the US military. So there's a lot of variety in what we do. We also do corporate a culture of respect programs too. So there's a real wide variety. Wow. Uh, just out of curiosity, did you take a hit in your ability to work over COVID? So I, I was afraid that was going to happen uh, because it, it devastated most of the industry I work in, the, the education speaker industry, as far as doing programs. We were able to convert quickly to live virtual and we were able to find a way to be very effective live virtually. We, the post-event surveys were incredible, actually, after our live virtuals. So we stayed very busy throughout the past year of COVID. And I do not take that lightly. I'm extremely grateful for that because a lot of people doing what I do had nothing over that time. So I, I'm grateful for that. Wonderful. And then can you just talk a little bit about your books, the, uh, a book specifically the one titled, Can I Kiss You? Like yeah, Can I Kiss You is a, is a fun how-to book. You know, often, Peter, when people have these conversations, it's a don't. Don't do this. Don't do that. Look for this red flag. It's all negative energy-based, and nobody really wants that in their lives. You know, even as adults, we don't like people saying to us, hey, whatever you do, don't do this, uh, because usually it seems so obvious it's almost insulting. And number two, what do you do with a don't? All right, so if I'm not, what am I? What, what do I do with that? And so we wanted, we, I've always had a very positive how-to approach to our work since about three years into doing this work, going back 30 years ago, I recognized people wanted how-to, not not to. 
Right. And everything we do is focused on that. And that's the kind of Kishu book. It gives people the exact language to use in dif different situations, the, the exact mindset to take in to relationships and all different kinds of relationships. So we have 12-year-olds who utilize that book and we have 55-year-olds utilizing that book. So parents will get it for their kid and then tell me I'm using the book as the parent. Forget about the kids. So it's really, uh, we, we love seeing how people utilize that book because it's full of exercises. It's not a theoretical read. It's a specific steps you can take. Wonderful. And can um, can that be found on Amazon or where, where can Absolutely. That yeah, they can get it on Amazon. It's Can I Kiss You? Or they can get it at our website at centerforrespect.com. We know Amazon, you know, where most people go for their books. So it can absolutely get it on there as an ebook or as a paperback. Wonderful. That's fantastic. Well, let's jump into this subject now. Um, my first question that I have for you is, you know, there's a lot of um, importance put on getting into a relationship when you're in your teens and in your younger years. Where do you think that importance and that, that stress, that pressure comes from? Well, it can be from a lot of different sources. One is parents. Uh, parents who unintentionally egg it on. So because they think it's cute, it's adorable, mm. or it's almost bragging rights. Oh, that person likes my kid. You know, that kind of a thing. My child's being sought after, you know, that kind of. And right. so who's your little girlfriend? Who's your little boyfriend? Oh, Johnny. Instead of in those moments where somebody says, I like someone, say, that's awesome. Let's talk about building a friendship, right? And teaching kids that at that age, you want to build friendships with people you like, right? And teaching them what that means and teach that you might hear people on the playground say boyfriend or girlfriend. Let's talk about friends, just friends. They don't need to be boy or girlfriends. They can just be friends and not adjust why that's wonderful and why that's special. And so really stopping it early on, that egging on that can happen at very, very young ages. So that's one source. Two is now kids are doing that with each other on the playground. Well, I have a boyfriend. Do you have a boyfriend? I have a girlfriend. And now we have to be doing what everybody else is doing. So at a young age, teaching our kids that unique is powerful that original is powerful, that you don't have to do what everybody else does to be special, uh, to be seen, uh, that you don't need to do that. And so when they talk about having all these boyfriends and girlfriends, you can say, oh, I, I really enjoy that my friendship with so-and-so, my friendship with, uh, and teaching them how to empower themselves in that language. Then of course there's media. So as we get older, now TV shows are showing this. Even in cartoons, there's love, right? And there's relationships, you see it all the time. So teaching them at the youngest ages, then as they get age appropriate, giving them more and more and more information before their friends are saying it. Right. Most parents are late to the conversation and that makes it a struggle. So if I'm hearing it from my friends and now you sit down and tell me how you're going to teach me about it, I might already have a barrier here because I know what it is. Why are you bothering wasting my time? Even though I might not know what it is, my mind says I know what it is because my friends have told me. So I now have a barrier. So one of the biggest mistakes parents make is they think, well, I'm going to talk to my kids when they get to that stage. Mm. Well, when they get to that stage, it means they're already on stage. So yep. <laughs> we want to talk to them before they're on stage, right? So right. don't wait till they get to that stage. Prepare them for that stage. And that's a big difference in mindset. Wonderful. And you, you talked about it a little bit with the, the peer pressure involved. 
And so that sort of answered part of my next question, but how do teens overcome that peer pressure that's associated with dating in middle and high school? Yeah, they make a choice. So every teen watching this, your life is all about choices. And those choices will have a big, they won't dictate everything because other things will dictate too. But those choices will have a huge influence on your life and what you do with your life. And so you have to make a choice. Who decides my life? Mm. Who decides? Others or me? If the answer is others, I will always be a prisoner to popularity. I will always be a prisoner to society's wants and desires for me versus my wants and desires. I don't want you to be a prisoner to anybody else's mindset, beliefs, societal norms. I want you to have freedom to be you. And so right away, one of the greatest gifts every teenager listening right now can know is that usually when we hear the word peer pressure, it's not honest. It's not peer pressure that's causing any of this. And the reason I can prove that, Peter, is the following. I'll say, all right, let's take the student you never listened to. Maybe you don't think that you value. You think they make bad choices. If they tell you to do something, do you do it? And they'll be like, of course, I don't listen to that one. Oh, so then it peers don't, just because that a peer says something, that's not pressure. So it's not peer pressure. You're choosing which people to control your life. Mm. And that's a much more powerful decision maker as a teen to think and go, hmm, whose voice is choosing my life? If peers are choosing my life, it's because I'm choosing to listen to their voice. It's not because of peer pressure. It's because I'm choosing to listen to their voices. If I choose to not let their voices decide what I do, then I'm listening to my voice. In the end, you're always choosing. So whether there's peer pressure or not, you choose. And so the honest question is, hey, what choices am I making going forward? What do I believe in? And a lot of teenagers aren't sure what that is. You don't have to know it right now. Just know that you stand for yourself. Like I stand for me and listening to me first. What is my heart telling me? What is my soul telling me right now? Wonderful. Yeah. Um, And I would be remiss if I didn't ask the question the age-old question, what does social media have to do with all of this too? Yeah, it's another voice you're choosing. So there, there's, we're not saying don't be on social media. The question is for what purpose? Right. And that's where we usually don't talk about what is the purpose for every time you get on social media? What is your intention? If the intention is I'm gonna go on social media to fill time, because my mind thinks it needs to be doing something because we've been trained to do that. All generations, one of the worst things we've done is tell the current generation, oh, they're addicted to their phones. Have you watched 40 year olds in an airport or anywhere (laughs) where they have to sit still? This has nothing to do with teenagers. So teenagers need to know it's not about them. It's that we have created a culture of addiction to information, to our brains thinking, moving, to to not being silent. And so what we wanna be able to do is say, I don't want to be addicted to my phone. I don't want to be addicted to social media. So what is my intention when I go on there? If I'm going to say that I go on social media to catch up with my friends, well, I could do that twice a day. I don't need to keep going back on. Those comments will be there in four hours. Maybe in Snapchat, you know, in in instance of there or even Instagram stories, 
they're only there for 24 hours. So if I go in twice a day, I can catch up on everything. I don't need to go in every minute. Right. This is me as an adult admitting that when I do that, I'm not in a good space. And so I know I can do that. We all can do that. So am I being more intentional and in saying, why am I going on right now? If it is not with intention and do something else, you know, go put the phone down and walk away from it. Yeah. Be without it. So you learn independence. Right. Because teenagers love to pride themselves on independence, which I think is beautiful. I wish more adults prided themselves on independence. <laughs> uh, teenagers do, except they forget that needing a phone is, is dependency. Right. It's not independence. So if we're going to pride ourselves on independence, let's walk away from that. Great. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, so let's jump into different kinds of relationships and how we can spot the differences between, say, a, a toxic relationship and a healthy relationship. First of all, for our listeners that might not have heard that term toxic relationship before, can you give me some characteristics of what a toxic relationship looks like? Well, it can look like a lot of different things. And this is the scary thing of bringing up red flags because people go, well, I don't have that one, right? So uh, I would rather, because toxic can mean so many different things, is it a mutually healthy relationship? Mm. And I even take it up another notch. Is it a mutually wonderfully healthy relationship? If you can't put the wonderfully in there, where can I improve? Right. Where can I improve? Now, some blatantly red flags to toxicity, all right? Toxicity, think of it this way, that if you drank something that was toxic, it could be devastating to your health. Well, that's what a toxic relationship is. It's that it can be devastating to your literally, your physical health due to stress. It could be physical danger potentially because of somebody's being physically abusive, emotionally abusive. So there's stress markers there. It could also be toxic to your brain uh, to your health and to how you view yourself for the rest of your life. If you don't understand that this is toxic and this is unhealthy, you could, this relationship could permanently scar in the, to the place where you think this is what all relationships look like. So now you're going to stay in toxic relationships the rest of your life. So there's so many harmful things like drinking toxic liquids that bringing in a toxic relationship can do to the rest of our lives. Here's the good news. One, when you identify a toxic relationship, you can choose to get out of it. And this is the difference of once you drink the toxic liquid, you got to go to the hospital and get it pumped out, right? right? Here, you can just say, today I make a new choice and I can walk away from this. I get to choose that. I'm on a roller coaster ride. I get to choose to get off. I'm not stuck on this ride the rest of my life, All right? So let's look at ones. You don't have equality in choices being made. That's a massive one that is often not discussed. So one person chooses the movies. One person chooses whose friends get hung out with. One person chooses the schedule. There is a person in control of the relationship. That's unhealthy. I should not be in control of my relationship with my partner. I should be in control of myself within that relationship. I should not be in control of the relationship. It should be a mutual experience. So with that, am I mutually valued? Mm. Do they value other friendships more than this one? And by the way, that should be a yes early in a relationship. In other words, you shouldn't be more valuable on a first date, honestly, in their life than their best friend of 10 years. Right. How I'm going to know it's toxic is if you wouldn't expect that. 
If you think the moment I go on date one, I should be just, my voice should matter as much to you in how you make decisions in your life as your friend, as your friend of 10 years. That's me being possessive of you and wanting control of you instantly when we go on a date or anything of that sort. So any signs of possessiveness. So this is another red flag. Possessiveness that I think you should do what I want with your life, not what you want with your life. So I'm controlling your life or you're trying to control my life. Tell me what I'm doing with my life, not me deciding. You and I both know, Peter, that in a healthy relationship, you don't dictate the other person's life. Right. Ever. You don't even change their life. Ever. They choose whether to change their life. They choose. You might provide some opportunity to support that change, but you don't change them. So this is another red flag. Well, I'm going to change them. Massive red flag. Massive, massive red flag. If you don't, if who they are isn't a wonderful human being right now, walk away. And if they're telling you they're going to work on becoming a wonderful human being, let's see what happens from a distance. We don't need to be stuck inside that tunnel they're in trying to get out of. That's not our job to stay in there. So we can walk away and let them work on themselves. That's perfectly wonderful and healthy. So that's, these are red flags we want to watch for. Are they trying to suck us into their, their, their toxicity and their struggles? Or are we free of that and they're working on themselves separate? And, and so that's a key one. Are you, am I working on me and they're working on them? Or are we trying to fix the other one? Fixing is a massive red flag. Look, you, Peter, you and I know adults do this to each other all the time. They oh, try yeah, to fix absolutely. each other. Spouses do it to each other all the time. So the younger we can eliminate that. So I want everybody to stop and going, all right, if I'm going to date this person or I'm going to hook up with this person, am I good with exactly who they are right now? If the answer is no, all right, then this is not a good fit. If the answer is yes, now I can ask myself some more questions to still see if it's a good fit. Do I trust myself with this person? Maybe I trust them, but I don't trust myself, right? This is a sign of unhealthy also. So, right. it, but it allows us to start the conversation. But that's a key one. Am I thrilled with who they are right now? All right, well, why do I want to hang out with people in my life who I'm not thrilled with who they are as human beings? Why do I want to choose that person to bring into my life? Uh, and so these are red flags. Possessiveness, another sign of it. Uh, texting. Do they need to know where I am all the time? Do I need to know where they are all the time? That's a really red flag of toxicity. Uh, I tell people all the time, I'm on the road you know, even pre-COVID, I was on the road 100 days a year. If my wife had to think constantly, where is he at? Where is he at? Where is he at? That would be incredible stress to her life. It'd be unhealthy for me because I wouldn't, I'd always be thinking I've got a report in, I'm not living my life. And I don't worry about what she's doing back home because there's trust. Right. So if you're sitting there going, I trust my partner, I just need to affirm where they are. or I just need to, that's not trust. Trust means I don't need to know where you are. I trust you're good. I trust that, that you're good without knowing what I am. We trust each other. And because we're living two separate lives, I don't need to control your life. It goes back to that conversation. So that's a massive red flag we see all the time. Where are you at? Who are you with? I tell you 10 minutes later, now who are you at? Where are you with? The same people I was with 10 minutes ago. Well, you haven't texted me back. All right, why are you texting me this much that I need to text you back? So these are bad signs. Now, here's what we can do with them, Peter, because we want to flip to the positive. Of course. Declare these boundaries early on. 
Hey, say, hey, just so you know, if you're in a relationship with me, uh, I don't like to text all day back and forth. I like us to each have our own lives. So if I don't answer you, no, I will. It's not mean I'm ignoring you. It means something else is going on. That's it. All right. So declare those boundaries. Likewise, I won't expect you to instantly respond because you might have things going on, right? So we're creating respectful boundaries. Two, I expect you're going to have friends you want to be with. I'm going to have friends I want to be with, and I, we should honor those spaces. So let's be two awesome people in one relationship, but we're two separate people. So declare these things early on so that you create boundaries. Now, when it's violated, you can go, remember we discussed that? That's, that's not happening. That's being violated. This is not okay. It allows you to language it easier when you've already established boundaries. A lot of people struggle languaging something that is a problem in a relationship once they're deeply into the relationship. The earlier they learn to language, use words, the easier it is as it goes on. Now, now we didn't get to some major red flags there. Abusive. Right. So they they beat you down verbally or physically. And I know that's a triggering word, so I want to call that out right away. But they, they do. They're negative energy. There's toxic energy. They say things that are awful and then often follow them up with the most loving words. Uh, and by doing that, they'll say that they're, they say everything they say out of love. Right. So I'm only saying that to you because I love you so much. I only we, love does not mean hurtful. Right. Honesty does not mean hurtful. I made the mistake in my own personal life. I would say I'm bluntly honest, right? Or I'm painfully honest. It shouldn't be painful. Right. And I learned to stop using those words. What have you said? I'm lovingly honest, right? I'm respectfully honest. That's a very different conversation. So if they're giving you toxic negative energy about you, right? Towards you, aimed at you, then why do you want somebody in your life who you wouldn't want to talk to someone like that, right? You wouldn't want to talk to yourself that way. So we want to clarify that. If there's any harm being done verbally, physically, emotionally, you deserve to be out. That is not your burden to carry. And what I know a lot of teens will say, Peter, you and I both know, well, there it was a one time or they're working on it, Yep. right? Well, one time is the time that lets us know it's not going to happen again because we're going to remove ourselves. Once again, if they're going to fix themselves, that's, that's not my journey. That is their journey. And here's the part that's it's tough to hear, and yet it's, it is that loving, honest conversation we need to have. The odds you're marrying this person is pretty slim. Right. So why are you getting caught up in their lifetime journey of healing they need to do themselves? Why are you pulling yourself into this when this is not a lifelong partner, probably? Now, in the moment, it can feel that way, but you have to be really honest and look around and go, how many of parents that I know, still married today, started in high school or middle school? You and I both know it's less than one in 100, typically, right? I mean, it's uh, so it's, it, it may be maybe a few out of 100, but it's rare. So we have to be honest with ourselves and go, this is dating. This should be fun. This should be a learning experience. Now it can be painful at times because of breakups and stuff, right? That's painful, that hurts, but it shouldn't be hurt intentionally coming from somebody or they might say it's unintentional, but what they're doing is hurting me and they're doing it not because we're separating. 
as part of the relationship, as part of how they treat me and communicate with me, well, dating's supposed to be fun. So you know what? This is not one I want to be in. And that walks us right into another question, which is, how do you view dating? Mm. And I tell students all the time, you should view dating as an audition. And if you've ever been in theater, you walk onto a stage in an audition and you give a little monologue and the director sits in the theater with maybe their assistant. And the moment they know you're not right for the part, they'll yell next. (laughs) Now you could have gave the most amazing monologue ever given, but they're looking for somebody a foot shorter than you and a different gender, maybe a different culture or race. So no matter what you did, you weren't going to be right for the part. And that's how dating works. No matter how great of a person you are, you might not be right for the part. No matter how great a person they are, they might not be right for the part for you. And so in your mind, the moment you recognize something's not right here, next. Now, you don't have to say it out loud. That would be rude. (laughs) But in your head, in your head, you can be like, next. All right, this is not right. Now, that doesn't mean the moment you have a question, you run. That means the moment you have a question, you explore and you go, huh, let's ask a little more about that. Let's see what's showing up here. And if trouble is showing up, toxicity is showing up, that's when we go, all right, next. So, but we can inquire to learn more. It's not just a matter of, oh, any time a negative pops, we leave. But there are certain negatives that should be immediate leaves, like emotional, physical, spirit, any kind of violence or harm. And people think of violence as somebody physically hitting someone and not recognizing language can be very violent. Right. Uh, So I have no problem if somebody tells me, my partner swears. All right, who are they swearing at? Right, if they're saying, well, F that. Okay, they're not saying F you. So there's a very different phrase there, right? If they're mad about a concept and they're like F that or, okay, that's not about you. Now you might be making it about you, but they they didn't make it about us, right? So- uh, there's another lesson we have to be in there. So if they're swearing at us, directing at us, they're being abusive language at us, it doesn't even have to be swear words, uh, that's at us, that's aimed at us, right? So that's a problem. If they're doing it about something else and we're making it about us, this is a lesson for us to learn, we're being toxic. We're making the whole world about us. And that's toxic for us. Yeah. So we have to be cautious of, Why am I making this about me? What story am I saying in my head that might not be true at all? Like, oh, they don't like me or they're mad at me or that. Well, none of this is true. You're guessing, you're creating all these games in your head. That's why the greatest question you ask is what actually happened? And you can't deny what actually happened. So if somebody was abusive to you, you can tell me a story about how they didn't mean it, but I can come back to what happened. Right. And the, the abuse happened. So that is not deniable. Right now, you can create stories. That's a problem with stories. Likewise, it could be a perfectly fine situation, and you created a story that made it way worse. Right. So, what actually happened? Oh, they didn't say those things. They didn't say any of those things. And I'll give you a classic example where this happens, Peter. Two teenagers are debating having sex. Right. That obviously is a very serious decision. Right. Yep. And the one says, I don't want to have sex. And the other one says, why don't you want to have sex with me? Mm. They never said they didn't want to have sex with you. 
they did not say, you know what? I don't have sex with you. I do with Jesse or Aaron, but not you tonight. <laughs> they never say that ever, yeah. ever, ever in those situations. But the teen plays it like that's how they heard it. And by the way, grown adults do this. Why do you have sex with me right now? I don't want to have sex. It has nothing to do with you. You're making this about you. So this is a really important skill set for teens to recognize. Being told no to something might have nothing to do with you. In fact, there's a good chance it has nothing to do with you. Someone once asked me, what's the difference? And I'm not the first person to go to, to to ask for relationship advice. I think they were just kind of asking me a question because they wanted to work it out themselves. But is there a difference between a toxic relationship and an unsafe relationship? Well, this, this really depends on who you talk to. Uh, often they can interlope. So it's, I would argue anything that's unsafe is also toxic. That would, that would be my argument there. It's possible for some that they will argue there can be toxic, but not unsafe, just uncomfortable. Uh, here's a reason I have a problem with that. It forgets about all the psych- psychological harm being done potentially and the new standards being established. So I find toxic to be unsafe and I find unsafe to be toxic. I think they do interlope. Okay. Uh, so I, I, that's my personal view on that. And what people argue is, well, safety means physical safety, but it can mean emotional safety. It can mean intellectual safety, spiritual safety. It can mean a lot of different things. Right. So when we say unsafe, we have to clarify what kind of safety are we referring to? Right. And so if, if someone finds themselves in a toxic relationship and they're scared to, tr- to get out. How, how do you get out of a relationship, especially if you're scared to get out of that relationship? Yeah, it's a great question. Remind yourself you're scared and that alone is the whole a problem. Yeah. So what will often happen is go, I'm scared, I'm scared, I'm scared, so I can't get out. Instead of saying, because we haven't given teens the skill set, it's not us, not the teens. I'm scared, I'm scared, which tells me I must get out. If I'm afraid to get out, that tells me how dangerous the situation is. Right. So that's a reinforcement of where do I go to get out? Right. So instead of I can't get out, where do I go to get out? Right. And that's what we didn't, we have not done a good job of empowering teens to understand. Where do I go to get out? We tend to think that if I tell you all the right things, teenager, you're going to say all the right things because I told you the right things to say. Uh, but that can be scary to do alone. Right. And my peers might not be the best people. My best friends might not be the best people for me to turn to in this moment because they might not have the experience to know how to support me through this that a school counselor could, that a local crisis center could, mm-hmm. where I could call them and talk to somebody about how can I safely get out. And then they can explore with you safely, confidentially, what safety hazards are a concern here, right? What is taking place so that we can help you safely get out? Right? And that's what we want to be able to do. Right. Use those community resources. We do not talk enough about that in this work. And right. so school counselors are there because they love counseling students. It's what they do. It's what mm-hmm. they love being there. And your local crisis center is there because they are there for this exact purpose right. to serve. And so people are in unhealthy, abusive, or violent relationships. We want to help get you to resources, advocates that can help you take that journey forward. Right. And for our listeners um, of this podcast, we have a number of those resources for the Minnesota, North Dakota, and South Dakota regions. 
So if you are in a relationship where you feel that you need to get out of it and you don't know how, use those resources. Um, I want to end on a, on a higher note than that. Um, so we've been talking a little bit here about toxic relationships and unsafe relationships and how, to, how do you, you find yourself in a relationship and you're, how do you maintain a positive relationship? Yeah, let's go there. So uh, I, when I'm in a school, I pull up the slide behind me and it's a slope and it says, here's what a mutually amazing relationship looks. This is the epitome, a mutually amazing relationship. Cause the word mutual is everything, Peter. Right. Is this mutual? Or is one of us coercing, pressuring? Do we both feel this is wonderful? That's what a healthy relationship looks like. It's mutual. So then I say to students, how many students do you think are in mutually amazing relationships? And they'll admit, I don't know how many, like they're very questioning on how many actually are in that situation. I say, great. What are the, what are the components that would be necessary for a mutually amazing relationship? And here's what students say, the following words, respect, that makes sense, right? Mm -hmm. Knowledge, right? So that we understand how relationships should work, how we're going to be able to communicate. If there's anything sexual, do we have knowledge around those sexual choices, what that sexual activity, the consequences of that, the benefit, all of that. Right. Attraction, true desire, right? The people leave that out all the time. That's important. Uh, trusting your trust is a massive one for yourself and your partner, right? Right. Safety. This goes to the emotional, the spiritual, the physical, all forms of safety mutuality, which I've brought up several times, and then spoken communication. Do you to talk openly about feelings, boundaries, everything? Not, well, they don't complain. That's not spoken. That's assumption. Right. If you're telling me our relationship is great because they never complain, then I would argue you might not have a healthy relationship if nobody's ever feels safe to complain about something they like or don't like in the relationship. That'd be actually a natural thing to do. So as long as it's a healthy complaint, you're not just being toxic about everything, right? right. Um, and when I put those up, I have it seven steps and those seven words are up there. And I say, how many high schoolers have those seven? The average high school audience in our country tells me one to five out of a hundred. Wow. Out of a hundred. And I say, so imagine if you knew just any of those steps are missing, you could choose to go, all right, I'm going to work on building that one or that's not going to happen in this relationship. So I need to move on. Yep. Six out of seven is not good enough. You're going to fall through the cracks on the one that's missing. It's going to cause trouble. So are you going to choose to work on the one that's missing? Or if there's five missing, then we're going to go and we're just going to slow this whole thing down and start at the beginning again. We're going to rebuild the foundation. Right. You know, respect is the first word I have there. And I've had high school students go, I've been in lots of relationships. I don't know that I've ever truly felt respected. And they'll say, now that I see the slope, I recognize those weren't really healthy. None of those were healthy relationships. And I'm going to choose going forward to say only yes to ones that I believe will start there. Right. So you're hot. Well, if I don't think you're going to respect me, that's not a yes. <laughs> right. Because that's a massive one. Well, the hot person thinks I'm hot. So I got to explore this, right? Or the popular person thinks I'm hot. I got to explore this. Right. Do you think they're going to respect you? I don't think so. Well, then why are you exploring? <laughs> exactly. And when you people ask people, what does it look like? You people, where that come from? Uh, uh, when you ask people, what does it look like? What does it feel like to be disrespect? They see it to be unseen, to be invisible, to not matter. Why do you want to go in a relationship where you will be unseen, not matter and invisible to a human being? Right. 
And if you're saying to me, Mike, I don't want to be seen by the world, then I want you to talk with a counselor for you. Right. For you. Because there are some teens thinking that maybe listening right now. Mm-hmm. I don't want the world to see me. I don't want to. Well, let, let's talk to someone then. Yeah. Because you deserve for the world to see you for, for all the beauty and amazing gifts you are. Right. That, that sounds like a wonderful place for us to end. Um, do you have any... Thing you're working on that you're that you want to plug right now or you know for us it's just we love working with schools so if there's a teen or a school administrator listening to this and saying hey how do we get these skills to our kids that's what we do we work in schools with school assemblies so they can contact us at centerforrespect.com uh, if they want the book the book is great for the age group we're talking to right now and that's can i kiss you on amazon but otherwise center for respect to spell it all out centerforrespect.com and reach out to us. We'd love to explore uh, coming to their community. Wonderful. And so you, we like to end each podcast with a thought of the day. Um, and this can be a song recommendation, a quote, a saying, any, anything that you can think of that will kind of put the icing on the cake of what we Here just talked is. about. Do you, have, do you have a thought of the day to share with us? I, I have one that I share all over the world. Uh, it's mine. It's a quote from me. Respect is not the standard of excellence. Respect is the bare minimum requirement. Mm, wonderful. That's, that, that's great. Um, and with that, thank you so much for being on our podcast, Mike. Well, thank you, Peter, for having me and for provoking these important conversations. Absolutely. And with that, my name is Peter, and we'll see you next time.